It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. <laughs> It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. It's 7.06. We'll have Eskimos football in this time slot tomorrow. They're at Hamilton, then home for two the next two Fridays. BC on the 28th, Hamilton again on August 4th. My name is Reed Wilkins. We're going to have Kevin Carius on the show in a couple minutes. We'll go to Hamilton and bring Morley Scott onto the broadcast. He's your play-by-play voice of the Eskimos here on 6.30, Chet. So here's it. we got the Eskimos at 3-0, and oh, and uh, we got the Tiger Cats at... Uh, at 0-3. And we got Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley being asked if, if this is if this is the proverbial trap game. There are such things as trap games, um, you know, and generally they're, they're things that sneak up and get teams that maybe don't have, uh, you know, the veteran type of leadership that we have in our room. Um, you know, our guys, our core group of guys have played a lot of football, and uh, the, the young guys that haven't maybe played so much, uh, you know, we have good character guys that look to our veteran leadership, uh, you know, for direction. So I know that, uh, you know, myself and, and Darius over the course of the week talking to the young guys, um, you know, and Odell and JC still in town talking to the guys on the defensive side of the ball, uh, have an understanding that this is the CFL and, and there's not much that separates 3-0 from 0-3. You know, our games were won uh, close at the end of the games and uh, we could easily be sitting in the situation that they are. So we don't take anything for granted. We know that they're a difficult team to play against and we're coming into their house, so we got to ramp the intensity up. Now, with all due respect to Mike Riley, who's one of the best interviews in the history of Edmonton sports, <laughs> and this is one of the first... I remember when I first started hosting the show, this is one of the first kind of rants I went on. I, Of all the cliches we lose, use, I probably hate trap game the most. Oh, it's a trap game. What's a, it's a trap? What, what, what is it? Is it a, what kind of trap? Is it a mouse trap? Is it a bear trap? Is it a is it a wolf trap? What kind of trap is it? What does that mean? It's a trap game. Well, so you're a good team playing a bad bad team. It's not a trap game. Oh, we're not going to be focused on it because we assume we're going to win. No, if you're a good team, you go out and pound the snot out of the bad team. It's not a tra- if, if Hamilton wins, it's not going to be because, oh, the Eskimos fell into a trap game. It'll just be because Hamilton beats them. And in football, what are you looking ahead to? The next game's not for another eight days. Why are you thinking about the BC Lions? It's not a trap game. God, I hate that expression. Hi, Kevin. Are you okay? I'm fine. Trap. Little... It's a trap game. You know, the only trap game is mouse trap. So I used to play with my cousins. They used to get mad at each other, by the way. Boy, I've never seen you worked up over two words like this for a long time. Well, probably since last week. 
What was the two words last week? I, I don't know. Just just assuming I was probably worked up about something. Holy cow. Trap game. Is that a, do you think it's a trap game? It's just a I guess if they lose. It's terminology like a lot of things that are said. 200-foot player. All of these sayings that have kind of <laughs> taken over the sports lingo kind of thing. I mean, look, sometimes a bad team is going to beat a, a better team. I think you have to, I mean, in, in the sense that they're playing home to BC next week, that game could be for first place in the division. Yes. A very good possibility, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, it's, I mean, the terminology trap game would mean you're looking ahead to something else besides this one. Fair enough. So. Well, I understand that. I just think, I mean, I mean if. <laughs> if they okay, so here's the thing: if the Eskimos went out this week, if if they were playing uh, a good team this week, BC Calgary, and lost fifty five fifteen, they wouldn't say play? they wouldn't say it was a trap game. If if the Eskimos were playing Calgary this weekend, and BC, no, this isn't a trap game, but it's a trap game because Hamilton's zero three. I know it just bugs me. <laughs> it actually, I don't know why it bugs me so much. No, and somebody just texted in. It does not bug me as much as the Super Dogs. Thank you. Which is a, which is another rant I did. Okay. Jeez, I, I you know I know. Yeah, well, you I you don't get to listen work. to the show because you had to working. do some work here. The super, here's my super dogs thing with K Day. This when does K Day start? Friday? The parade's Friday. Thursday. Friday, yeah. I think the parade's Friday. Maybe the X. Maybe the grounds are open tomorrow. I should know. Uh, the super dogs are not super. They're mediocre dogs. Because when you go to, when they have the super dogs out, how often does the dog not correctly perform the trick? If it was truly a super dog, it would never, like the little slalom, there's always the one dog that instead of doing the slalom, just sprints along the side of the, the cones what? What? and comes back. What's That's not so a super dog. That's you, not a super dog. That's really a normal dog. At? This what? is my normal personality. I'm what not angry. Really I'm, just saying, I'm just saying. Just say the super like, dogs are overrated. We, if that chair has a little recliner, <laughs> we can get you sitting back and have a little therapy it's, if it's, you want right now. Super dogs is false marketing. They should just be called. Here are some cute dogs, dogs. who who do a mediocre job per, per, performing tricks. They're slightly better than your dog. <laughs> I mean, I could take my dog outside and be like, "Hey, randomly run around, not through these cones." People wouldn't pay for that. But that's what the super dogs are trying to get us to believe. And I'm blaming the humans, obviously, not the dogs. Uh, <laughs> Stephen texting in. He goes, "The trap game is the one-three-one read, the most boring way to win hockey games." Well, unless unless one it's pretty boring. Unless it's 2006 and you're playing the Detroit Red Wings when everyone in town was very happy about it. Yeah, McTavish did catch him by surprise, didn't he? Yeah, a few little tricks. Uh, there was no Spygate there, apparently, you know. <laughs> we were talking There's about that one. earlier in the show. Oh, okay, so here's my question. And this is the great thing, everybody. Kevin can't listen to the first hour of the show because he's on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we, I, I get to spring everything on him. All right, so I played the Ken Austin clip and talked about the Chris Jones stuff. Uh, Jamie Thomas was on from Hamilton to talk about it. And I have, uh, let me ask you this from a career perspective, because you've worked at Edmonton a long time, but like all of us, you worked in smaller markets. So that means you're covering high school football or university football and all the other, mm-hmm. you know, basketball, baseball, other lower levels of hockey or younger levels of hockey. I have found, and this is not a personal attack on any one football coach that I've ever known, but football coaches in general are the most paranoid. Yeah. That's my take. Jamie Thomas said by far, what's the carriest take? Well, for sure. Uh, what, I, what I think it's so laughable and comical about 
this whole, the, with everything in football, every morning skate for the Oilers you've been at, uh, or a practice, the other team's coaches come on out and sit in the stands and they watch the power yeah, play. Often. They yeah. watch whatever, who's on this and who's doing that, who's penalty killing, what kind of system you're going to use on this instance, especially on special teams. And never once have I heard in the National Hockey League that the other team is going to be sneaking out a trick play or they're going to be able to read our our system when we're going to employ it on a penalty kill or on a power play. Not once in a league that is a million times bigger than the Canadian Football League. Well, but the NFL's three times bigger than the NHL exactly. and they worry about the spying they too. Do. So they it's do. not necessarily but, the size of the league. Well, but. I shouldn't word it like that. But, but I know what you mean. You know yeah. what I mean. And it, it just bothers me with with it with the CFL. And I, I think the CFL should close practice for one day. It should be closed to the media as far as shooting, as far as anything else. It should be closed one day. But as I told you earlier in the year, that there should be free reign on whatever you want to shoot during the practices on the other days. Yeah, we'll close I mean, it off for one day. Don't allow anyone to come in to the building to see what you're doing, and you should be able to do whatever you need then. It's just, uh, I mean, the whole situation is funny because, it, I mean, to me, there's a whole bunch going on that it involves Austin and Jones, uh, two guys who generally aren't that agreeable sometimes <laughs> in their interpersonal well, relationships. Who has ever agreed with Chris Jones? <laughs> Well, and Austin's got pretty bad rep too. I mean, from from some of the stuff that's happened there. Anyway, uh, it, it just is. It, it just and I and I told the story about uh, when I was working in Lloyd. There was a, and I didn't say the outlying community, but there was a high school football coach who basically said, "Do not come to our practice. I don't want it being like the B-roll being filmed, and I don't want the players seeing the camera there and getting distracted." And I was just like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> Uh, this texter says, hey, Reed, why don't you shut your trap? <laughs> well, I can't do that. I'm employed to actually host a talk show. Um, this, Alan Iverson texting in. We're talking about practice. It's practice, not a game, just practice. Well, Alan, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, a BP also said, you, you sound like Alan Iverson when he ranted about practice. And... Uh, Richard says, I guess the dog show should be called Super Dogs, Mediocre Humans. Well, maybe, I, I don't know. There should be mediocre in there. Do you have a dog? No, not, no, don't have one. Now I had one when I was a kid, but. Did you, like, uh, just one or did you always have dog. a dog? No, it, it was, wasn't a super dog a, by any stretch. It was just a, you know what, just a smart German shepherd. I don't, I don't think we called him a super dog at the time, but I, I'm glad that you weren't around if we did, because, boy, that dog might have got something, you know, he might have thought, oh, I'm not really a super dog? Really? Well, no, but I, I would have been nice to hear dog. We've always had dogs uh, in our family. I include include my parents, and they the, the two dogs now, I guess, technically live with my parents, but I see them. They have joint custody, Okay, I guess. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud because the, uh, the 12-year-old, uh, recently started uh, catching her treats. So now we do a little toss and catch. Just after 12 years. Well, that's a super dog in my books. Yeah, well, she probably catches it 50% of the time, which I don't think is much a much lower rate than what a super dog could catch at. What if a, what if all of a sudden you went up to ninety five or whatever percent? Like what? Oh, I'd be selling of, tickets. Super dog. Like, when, do you, when does the dog get to be a super duper dog? <laughs> you know, if I could get her up to ninety five percent. And see, I, I I live on a walking route to Commonwealth Stadium. Okay. So I'd put her in the yard, 
before games when thousands of people walked by and I'd put out a little, it'd be like, hey, here's a toonie, watch my dog catch. Might, 95% success rate? Might, yeah, I might do make it. a couple of bucks. Yeah. Like two. <laughs> That's true. Well, kids sell, uh, kids sell lemonade yeah. uh, on the way to the game on, on my avenue. And it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's some other things being sold on that avenue too. Well, not that openly. <laughs> not 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 that openly. It's uh, seven seventeen. Wilkins and Carius inside sports on six thirty. Chad Morley's going to join us as well. We're coming back after the break. <laughs> This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, the Montreal Alouettes just score a touchdown point after to come. Underwood, a 51-yard catch from Durant, 17-12. And it looks like, oh, and this, I asked Jason Moss about this yesterday, uh, Montreal is going to go for two to try to get within three. We're still quite early in the game, obviously. What do you, th- what do you think about that, Carries? Would you, cause I I don't well you know what now I'm okay with it now only because with the convert being pushed back the rule itself okay what do you mean I, I'm talking about if how come they they don't go for it more often three yard play and I asked Jason about it yesterday and he said they want White to kick they'll only go for two when they absolutely need it so coaches do have philosophies but I, I, there's a couple guys who always text in and they say Reed why don't you why know, don't teams go for it get that extra point get that extra point if you look in the NFL Pittsburgh Steelers almost go for it all the time they started doing it quite a bit they that's right they were the first team in the NFL I believe that really decided to go for it because uh, you know it's it's a long kick uh, for the extra point down there and I don't have a problem going for it it's tougher to do it in the NFL than it is in the CFL with the short end zone. Right, and they, they do it from the two instead of the three. But yeah. but in the CFL, you can still throw a fairly deep ball. Want, I mean, that's, yeah. that's tough, to so. def, tough to defend. Uh, the stats coming into this week, Kevin, I, I gave these out yesterday. There have been, and I and while I was talking to you, I missed the result of that one. So we'll get, we'll get when they come back from commercial. Uh, 53% on two-point tries 10 for 19 which is a little lower than you would expect from the three the Eskimos are one for one the 32 yard convert uh 83% Eskimos are five for six white has missed one I do like that they move the convert back but I mean I don't know I I understand you don't want to chase the point but what if a coach just said every time we're going to go for it every time we're going to go for it we're just going to run a play now Jason made the point if the defense stops it, you make them feel... That's what it is. It's momentum. It's momentum. Yeah. And I, I, here's a, I, I love debating this kind of stuff. Like, this is... That's you, the, the armchair coaching in football is fascinating. Sorry. If, if you miss the single-point kick convert, if, you, if the kicker misses that, it's not that great. It's the elation on the sidelines of the opposition team isn't, wow, we just did right. something, you know. But if... You don't make your two-point convert attempt. The elation on the other side, the opposition, it is high. The defense made a play. We did something, yeah. And I think, too, from a coaching perspective, because I try to think about it from the other side, is if you lose a game 23-12, well, let's let's pick a score. If you lose a game by two... Just like and the Eskimos you, and, in Ottawa. And you missed three two-point tries, the coach is going to get roasted by fans and mm-hmm. media. It's almost like you can't win. And if you go out and win a game 44-20 and you were four for five on two-point converts, people are going to say, well, you didn't need them. You blew them out. 
right? So it's almost like you know the rare occasion where it it helped you. I, I don't. It's like the risk reward it thing. It still has to be situational in my mind a lot of the time. Yeah. So you're saying if you're if you score the first touchdown of a game, not worth going not for worth it to get it up eight point. nothing. Yeah. So just because just if then if you miss, then yeah. you may be ch- then the other team's just going to keep going for one and force you to go for two well, at some point. Go, right? so. What's interesting with the Ottawa situation was, and this I, I do like so that they they've moved got, it they, back. They missed it here. Tonight. They missed it, so it's 17-12 Ottawa. Okay. So now it's ten for twenty. Well, Ottawa would have got one earlier, uh, or they got it. They actually kicked. The Ottawa situation here was interesting because Maher misses, so it's nine nothing instead of ten nothing. Yep. Then they're down twenty fifteen. They go for two. Missed they miss. It. They're down 23-21. They have to go for two. They miss. If they just would have kept kicking in they're both five. situations, maybe it's 23-23 going overtime. Exactly. And, well, if you get So should have they one. gone for it that early? I, don't, like, I think this was too early for Montreal to go for it early in the third quarter to get within three. I thought that the Ottawa, the two-point, the, the first one was too early. Because there was about 10 yeah, minutes left. There was lots of time. And you know, everything's coming down to the last couple of minutes, isn't it? So in my books, I'm, I'm, it's situational for me. And I wouldn't have gone for it on the first one, the second one for Ottawa, obviously, because they had to tie the game. Yeah. But it, it is fun because it's added another little discussion thing and they move in the kick. And it's funny, it seems like the 32-point convert, for whatever reason, is harder to make than the 30. We should talk to Sean Fleming about that. I don't know if it's because you're running onto the situation and it, it's slightly different or you can you got that extra time yeah. to place the ball. I don't know. But there, it seems like there's, you know, the 32-yard field goal, they rarely miss. The 32-yard convert, they miss about 1 in 5. Fleming would know. 725 Inside Sports on 6-3. Chet had Lisa Longball Vluswick on the show. Mm-hmm. Drives the ball like 350 yards. Not Wouldn't bad. that be nice? <laughs> I'd, I'd settle for about 150 right now. <laughs> oh, you had one of those days, <laughs> yeah, did you? No, I, had, sure. I had one yeah. yesterday where I felt like, well, this would be, I'd be doing great if it were my first time ever golfing. Yeah. So she does a lot of great exhibitions. And, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, obviously her her talent is. I've never really seen her short game at all, and you know, like you look at a guy like Jamie Sidlowski, who's you know trying yep. to shore up all those aspects of his game. But when kind of getting off a little topic here, because Sidlowski's trying to get his card and everything like that, yep. and and working on the on the Canadian tour. But when he gets an exemption on certain tournaments, they you know those sponsors they want to see him pull out the driver when right. other, other players aren't pulling out driver. So it's kind of, you know, hit and miss for him. Sometimes. Jamie Sedlowski, former teammate um, of Mark Letestu with the Bonneville Pontiacs. Yes. Bring it all back to Edmonton. Mm-hmm. It's 726. we got to take a timeout. we got the news coming up. This portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. Visit actionfurnace.ca. Morley Scott is in Hamilton. I think he broke his glasses today. Well, so we'll see if he can all, see. It's way past his bedtime out there. Uh, well, he's he's probably on his fourth burger by now. <laughs> Morley doesn't Morley doesn't drink, but it's just the the he'll find he'll if there are barbecue ribs or burgers, Morley's gonna find them. So hopefully he's you know he'll take a break from from eating and join us on the show. <laughs> This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chat.
tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Kevin Karius from Global Television is here as well. He makes the long trek down 51st Ave and Roper Road most Wednesday nights to join us. Always good to be here. Good to see you, buddy. Yeah, good to be here. We're, good traffic uh, all today it was really light traffic. A couple no, of mules no trains, on the road. No trains. <laughs> Can always, you never know. On uh, near. Do you cross the train there? Yeah. Oh, not the LRT, the actual yeah, train. The yeah, actual that's train, right. I yeah. forgot about that because you're right by it over. You never know. There. You could, uh, it, but mind you, at this time of the day, it's pretty reasonable. You never get burned too. Are long. you? Uh, are there? Is there any? Uh, is there a lot of SCTV memorabilia in your building? There's more than you think, and there's more hidden where I have no idea where it is. I'd like to t- get Tim Spellacy and kind of get put him in a little headlock and try to find a lot of good pictures. But we've got some really good pictures that people would probably have never seen before. Yeah. That are, you know, we've got display cases downstairs where, you know, there's some great John Candy and Eugene Levy stuff and all the guys. So some, some and there's a lot of old, old pictures with the camera guys, like, a lot of the camera guys have retired now that used to work on that show. Oh, nice. But, oh, boy, those guys told stories how they used to, when they were filming and everything like that. And back then, you know, then they would, so they would film SCTV, they would do a skit, and then have to shoot camera in the studio for the 6 o'clock news. So which, uh, is, what, do you guys have two big studios there? There's two really big studios, So yeah. one is your new studio, yeah. but SCTV would have been using both or one of them? Well, it's so long, it's way before And they went out on location, yeah. too, because they, they used the Red location. Ox Inn is famous for having been there. Yeah, yeah, you know, so, but there's some great pictures in the in the, in the the studio. That's incredible. Sure. Yeah, that's that's a great uh, piece of history. It is, yeah, for Edmonton, sure. yeah, no, yeah. No question. He's Kevin Carius. I'm Reed Wilkins. Morley Scott is the play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Eskimos, so he'll be called the game in this time slot tomorrow. He's in Hamilton. Morley, first of all, are, can you see? Are your glasses okay? What happened? I, I got my glasses fixed. The arm came off. The arm was coming off, so I had to uh, walk oh. around this morning and find some emergency surgery, uh, get some emergency surgery done on my spectacles. You know, without them, I'm lost. If If anyone could pull off... The Mr. Peanut from Planter Monocle, it would be you. <laughs> so if you could they ever... They do look alike. If you could ever somehow do a game, Morley, with just that one little hanging by a string kind of thing, I'd like to see that. I might have to go doubles, one in each eye. <laughs> so it just randomly came... Like you must have... You, you, we won't embarrass you if you dropped them or Dave Campbell no, no, slapped I, you. Actually, I... I noticed about a week ago or, or so that the arm was getting a little wobbly. And then um, when I got off the plane yesterday, we we're driving in the uh, in the rental car from Toronto to Hamilton, and I, I said, man, this thing is just dangling by a thread. So I went uh, the first last night, I went, and it's Hamilton, right? So it was 5 to 6, and everybody thinking it was closing up downtown because it was getting close to dinner time. Everyone had to get home. Um, and uh, they, the girl said, oh, I can't do it. But we have a technician in tomorrow morning, so come back tomorrow morning. So I got uh, I got up uh, and uh, went over there this morning, and they fixed it up for me. All right, no and charge. Too. Most importantly, no charge. Oh, oh wow, you're lucky. They, well, they obviously recognized you. Uh, what? What? Uh, <laughs> where? Where? Did, what, what? Did you go to this burger place? What's the story? Yeah, I went to the works tonight. Uh, burger place uh, across the street. They have. They have like about a hundred different kinds of hamburgers to choose from. Um, <laughs> so you had all of them. There's it, a lot of reading on the menu because they they give them the fancy names and you got to read what's on them, right? So good thing you got your glasses. Uh, I, I, fixed. Had the, I had the man cave tonight, which was uh, barbecue sauce, uh, caramelized onions, 
and uh, I think there's a little avocado on there too. It was pretty good. So, no, what? Okay, so you and Dave, do you have a place in each of the eight cities you visit? Two-part question. Horrible. We are horrible because we have a place pretty much everywhere we go, and uh, we get two meals, and we decide, and we pretty much go to the same places every time. Same places every time. Now, is where does which is better, the Barbie Barn in Montreal or the Works in Hamilton? Oh, Barbie Barn, Barbie Barn. There's nothing tops the Barbie Barn. The, the jumbo combo is maybe the best meal you'll have on the road all season long. Oh well, I I think it's open season for questions like this. Remember when we were doing order games on the road, uh, Morley, and mm-hmm. uh, you and Robin Brownlee would kind of have not contests, but it would be quite a display of of what you guys Probably. could put away. Yes, uh, I was no, I was in the end, I was no match for him. No, I was I was no match for him. Yeah. Oh, he. Uh, we, we, we had a, 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 I beat him one night, and then he wanted a rematch, and then at the end of the meal, everything was done, it looked like it was a tie, and he pulled a cookie out of his inside of his coat pocket and ate it so he could win. <laughs> oh, that's, a, that's incredible. Uh, all right, we do want to talk football with you, Morley. <laughs> Please. This, well, the, the food stuff's pretty fun, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to that later on. So uh, Eskimos in, in uh, Hamilton, they played there in the East semifinal last year and uh, won right at the uh, end of the game, uh, thwarting a Tiger Cats comeback. Hamilton uh, hasn't won since. <laughs> they're they're, they're 0 3. Uh, the Eskimos, though, so Bowman, uh, first of all, do you have any sense? And I, and I know coaches don't want to talk about injuries. They put Bowman on the one game injured list. Do you have any uh, a sense of how bad it could be, though? Uh, I don't think it's that bad because he finished the game last week on Friday. I think uh, it's one of those things where he just wasn't right. It's a short week. It's early in the season. Why mess with him? Let him sit down for one game and rest and get healthy. And uh, I would expect him to be back in the lineup uh, next Friday when the Eskimos host the BC Lions in what could be a game for first place in the West in the early going of the season. And so, yeah, I, I don't think it's that serious, but you never know. You know, it, it, it's, it's weird. I was, I was looking at uh, talking to Mike Filer this morning in the, uh, in the Hamilton dressing room. And you remember two weeks ago, he's the center for the Tiger Cats. Two weeks ago, he walked off the well. He couldn't walk off the field. He was virtually carried off by his teammates. He couldn't put any weight on one of his legs. And I thought, oh man, what I've learned is if you get helped off by the trainers, at the very least, it's one game. And if you can't put any weight on something, it's at least the six-game injured list. I thought, well, he's done for six games. He was back in the game a half an hour later, and he played last week and today. Uh, he uh, was He's not even limping around, and, and he'll be in the lineup tomorrow. He was, by the way. Uh, in the media room for the Ticats. He brought a guitar in and was singing to us all as we were waiting for interviews to go today. So he's an interesting character. But it's, it's yes, yeah, some injuries you can never tell. They're, they get serious. Uh, the serious ones sometimes sneak up, you know, notice them. And the little ones sometimes, you know, they can they can balloon a little bit. But I don't I don't think this is very serious to a Darius Bowman. He got hit a couple of times hard. The trainers came out to see him once, but he came back into the game at that point and played. I know uh, Antoine Pruno hit him real hard. Pruno got hurt on that play as well uh, and had to leave for a while also. So uh, I'm expecting him back in the lineup next week, but stranger things have happened. I just want to set Reed off here with the Eskimos 3-0, Hamilton 0-3, and BC uh, up next week. Is this a trap game for the Eskimos? Uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't like that phrase. I put oh, thank you, Morley. Thank you, Morley. I put it both to the coach. I, I don't like it, but I used it twice today when I was doing interviews. I, I talked to Jason Moss about it, and I talked to Mike Riley about it. 
and they both kind of just chucked it off. And, and, you know, everything, they don't believe in momentum so much as, as in preparation, uh, you know, to a certain extent. They, they don't think that what has happened in the past and, and teams coming in and losing streaks or winning streaks has that much of an effect on one single game, except for, of course, just confidence and feeling good about yourself. So they believe that their preparation this week is is what wins them the football game, not the fact that Hamilton's 0-3 and they're 3-0. and But you're right, there is, there's something to this. Uh, Brandon Thompson earlier this week said, we got to focus this week. we got to make sure that we do our jobs correctly because this is a kind of a week we find out what we're made of. Because you look at this game on paper, guys, and it should be a blowout. I mean, Hamilton, I, I just uh, looking at my uh, my numbers here in front of me. In offense, they're ninth in points, ninth in yards, eight in rush yards, eight in passing yards. Uh, on defense, uh, they are uh, ninth in points allowed. They're ninth in uh, yards given up. They're ninth in passing yards given up. Uh, they are not a very good football team right now, or at least they're not playing like a very good football team right now. But it's a it's a fine line. Uh, and and Riley, when I talked to him about it today, he said it's a pretty fine line between three and zero and zero and three. And you look back to last week's game against Ottawa. I mean, they you come out of that game, the Eskimos win, Ottawa loses. Ottawa has lost three games by a total of seven points. The Eskimos have won three games by a total of nine points. That's not a big spread between being winless and being undefeated, is it? And what about, uh, I mean, you mentioned a couple of stats there. I think Ottawa, uh, Hamilton's given up about, what, 1,200 passing yards in the three games? That's, like, ridiculous. Yeah, it's terrible. They're, they're averaging they're averaging 441 yards engaged through the air per game. Uh, their, their defensive backfield, they got a guy who will be playing his second game. they got a guy who will be playing his fourth game, and another guy will be playing his fourth game. That's all in the defensive backfield. They just don't have a lot of experience back there. They don't have a lot of game breakers back there. Uh, they're guys who are basically learning on the job right now. And, and I would think that Mike Riley probably licking his lips a little bit, wanting to get at these guys and throw the football. I expect, I really expect the Eskimos to come out hard this week. I mean, they don't like the fact that they were down 9 nothing last week to Ottawa and had to come back and win, or uh, the game before that, 10 nothing to Montreal and had to come back to win. Uh, Jason Moss said he really was wanted the guys to focus this week in their two days of practice, to focus on the start and be ready to start the football game. He says it's a 60-minute game, and if you don't have a, a good stretch in the first 15 minutes or whether that's in the middle 15 minutes or, or later on in the game, it doesn't matter. It's a 60-minute game, so you can't let a good start think you're going to win the game. You can't let a bad start think you're going to lose the game. But the Eskimos have been outscored in the first quarter of games 15-6 to so far this year. So they're minus 9 in the first quarter, but they're plus 18 the rest of the game, and that's where they're winning their football game. So even they're surviving the bad starts, but sooner or later that's going to, that's going to jump you, and you're not going to be able to overcome it. So the Bowman's out. Brian Mitchell's going in. I mean, ha- hardly a new player. He, he's been around for, for the last couple of years, and he's always one of those guys, Morley, where you go into training camp thinking, well, maybe this is the year he becomes a starter. He hasn't quite been able to break through, but what do you think Mitchell's going to bring here? Uh, I think he'll, he'll bring a lot. He's a, he's a pretty good receiver. I know the, I know the Eskimos are pretty high in him, but they, they just haven't got an opportunity to play him. They played him in the game. Uh, last year at the end of the year when they sat Bowman down and sat a bunch of guys down and rested them for the playoffs. And he had 50-some yards, I believe, in that game and played well. But he's been very impressive in the preseason games. In, in 2015, he was like one of the last cuts 
In 2016, last year, he made uh, the team on the practice roster and stayed there until the end of the season. Uh, he's, he's, he's got good size. He's got good hands. Uh, Jason Moss was saying that he really likes the way he runs his routes and, and says he's an effective route runner, which means you're going to get open and the ball's going to come to you. If, if you run your route properly, that means uh, you're going to get yourself open and you're going to get the opportunity to make a play. So uh, is, is he going to be the next uh, uh, Darrell Walker? Is he going to be the next Brandon Zilstra? It seems the last two years... Uh, when somebody gets hurt and another receiver gets an opportunity to play, they've grabbed the bull by the horns and you haven't been able to take them out of the lineup. So uh, we'll see how he performs tomorrow. Can Zilstra get even more targets than what he's been getting with Bowman out? Uh, I think he probably will because he's kind of the next guy in line. He's, he leads the team in targets now, leads the team in receptions now, leads the team in yards now. So uh, I think that uh, I think that he'll be that that safety net for, for Mike Riley tomorrow night to a certain extent. That's what that's the role Bowman has always played. Uh, there's just such great chemistry between Mike Riley and Darius Bowman. They've been playing together now for five years, and they know each other so well. They know in this situation he's going to do that, so I better do this and vice versa. So that's why they've been so successful, and that's what's made uh, Darius Bowman the most dominant receiver in the Canadian Football League for the last probably three or four seasons. So someone's got to take up the slack, and I think it will land on the shoulders of, uh, of Brandon Zielstra. But don't count out Vidal Hazleton, who's kind of snuck up a little bit. He's got 14 receptions now. He's second in receiving yards uh, for the Eskimos, uh, tied in receptions uh, with Bowman at 14 behind Zielstra, who's already got 21. So uh, he might be a guy who will factor into it tomorrow as well. All right, Morley, look forward to hearing you guys on the air. The coverage is going to start at 4 o'clock with the countdown to kick off the game at 5.30. Glad you can see. Glad you're well-fed, buddy. Get some rest. <laughs> yeah, make sure you get that bedtime snack in. <laughs> uh, just, uh, there's Tim Hortons across the street, so he might make the walk across the street. Thanks. All right, that's Morley Scott checking in from uh, Health and uh, Great guy. Uh, oh, great yeah. guy. Oh, salt uh, of the earth. Uh, loves Billy Joel. Well, we yes. didn't ask him what songs the Hamilton guy played. <laughs> That's I've never heard of that before. The player playing the oh, uh, playing guitar, a, yeah, guitar yeah. to uh, to uh, entertain the media while they're waiting for interviews. It's a nice touch. Oh, sure. That's all they've got in Hamilton. Who was that? Uh, wasn't there an Eskimo early two thousand? Was it Dorian Boos? That was a guitar player or singer or something like that. Um, well, I actually oh now I you're putting me on the spot here. I did I went to his uh, apartment did a story on. Uh, Oh, the linebacker who played piano, uh, played. Oh, who um, was that? Um, I don't remember that uh, one. We're gonna, we'll go to break and we'll We'll, we'll, we'll it Google yeah. it. We'll Google. It. Rennie Kern. Yeah. Oh yeah, Rennie Kern. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was just yeah. here recently. Yeah. And I, he wrote, uh, children. He wrote a children's book or something, didn't he? He he wrote yeah a book. I can't remember what if it was a children's book or yes, not. Yes. He yeah, because he's the guy. A motivational book was it? Uh, he's the guy because we I interviewed him. And he's had that story from high school. Yeah. Where I think he. Like went wore a tuxedo to a band recital, walked over to the football field, changed yeah. and <laughs> ran out and played. Play, play, play. He he was a he was a very interesting yeah, guy. No, I went to his apartment and he uh, fired up his uh, Wurlitzer or whatever nice. it was, the synth. <laughs> yeah, he had it going and we played and he played for about twenty minutes on that thing. Kevin Carius in studio. My name is Reed Wilkins. Inside Sports on six thirty. Chad, we're coming right back. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, 
Thanks a lot for tuning in. 24-18 now. The Red Blacks leading Montreal. They are 29 seconds into the fourth quarter. That's a good game there. So Montreal's most recent touchdown, they went for the kick for the point after and missed. So they've cost themselves <laughs> a couple three, points, three points there. And uh, baseball tonight, Blue Jays trailing the Red Sox 5-1. That is after 8 uh, what are that the was days? a tough one last night, 15th 50. inning. I was just getting ready to go on air last night yeah, when, uh, when that home run. They going to uh, trade anybody? Um, like wh- who are you going to move? Like I mean, Jay Happ maybe. Yeah. But then again, now you're behind a pretty decent, legitimate starting left-handed pitcher. So, I mean, he's and he's got a contract, I believe, for next year. So. I don't know. You're you're up against it. I mean, if you if you go and trade Donaldson now, you're you're such an inferior team to what you were. Yes. So, you know, they had they had a couple of good years with some good, good yeah, two good, playoffs. Yeah. Appearances. And all their players were you know, played at their potential. You know, they all had very very good seasons, and they never had any injuries to their starting rotation. So you take that away for this year, and that's where they are now. Well, what did they start? Like, there's seven games under five. What were they? Were they two and no, 13? Horror, was it that horror bad? awful. Exactly. Yeah. 7.53. Kevin Carius, Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched. So we got the British Open tomorrow. Well, I think, actually, tonight. Mountain, mountain Time it starts would, tonight. Yeah, it'll be about midnight, I think, 12.30 or so. Yeah. But when when so they get going. You can watch overnight. Someone, someone will have the, the overnight. Well, you go do right you, Golf Channel, it'll be do on. Do you like... Because I know, uh, you know, some some people don't like watching that style of oh. golf with the windy. I I, I like no, it. I, I like don't know it. if I would want every tournament like that, it's but just, I, I do like it. Yeah, I like it because it's like you say, it's not every one. It's uh, it's unique. The history's there. Um, the knowledge of the course has to be there by not only the golfer, but you know, even though that every player has their own caddy, they really bank on the knowledge of the locals Mm -hmm. and the local caddies for their success. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it such a unique tournament. And when Phil Mickelson won a few years ago, that was the one tournament people said, well, he won't win. He would never win, right, because of his his style. When when he tends to make a mistake, it tends to be a pretty bad one. So yeah. you can't necessarily hit it out of that rough. You got to take a penalty. But he was able to figure it out for that week and win. Tom Watson, one of the greatest uh, oh. open players. Uh, what is it? Six he won. Well, so, and then and then he's he's had the chance as to like win a, what as was a he, sixty. Fifth, or, yeah, when he was sixty, 60 that yeah. was incredible. I mean, Stewart Sink wound up beating him in the play. He Watson just ran out of gas. I think so. That one last putt, it just you could just see it. That would, it, it encompassed being an older guy that yeah. had to play and the pressure. And even though a guy like that could handle anything, he just you know it's tougher on a, a guy that age. Yeah, because he had that uphill putt to yeah. win on eighteen that was well short, and then the playoff was not close no. unfortunately. But that 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 was a pretty amazing story. If he would have won a movie. Oh. That, that, that would have been a bigger, way bigger story than Jack Nicholas winning the Masters in 1986. Way yes, bigger. it would have been. Way bigger. It, it would have been. It, it would have been. And, it, like, Nicholas's was compelling because he kind of came from behind in 86, right? And he owned, like, that's his course. I mean, you know, you got six green jackets. Yeah. But, and the thing is, you... 13 years difference in age, I think. 13 or 14. I think Jeff, Watson was still 59. 59 maybe, yeah. 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 Turning so, 60, yeah. Something like that. So, you know, that's a lot of difference in golf years. Yeah, but I, I like watching the British. And I, I even, I know it's maybe not, not fair, but I don't even mind, you know, maybe the guys that go out early in the morning and get no wind, and then the guys in the afternoon get, get a huge win. battle. But I'm like, yeah, that's half the battle. I mean, you've got to be able to play in any condition and still post 
you know, and, the well, best possible and, score. And, no, it's luck of the draw, too, is what I mean. Like, you know, if you can be one of those guys that are out first on, say, on, you know, in whatever, in five hours here, mm-hmm. uh, and the conditions are going to be favorable for you, you have to take advantage of it. You have to. I mean, there's a lot of holes where you can drive. You can drive par fours. That's the interesting thing know? about those courses, right? They're old, so obviously they're not... I mean, I know they've, they've lengthened yeah. a lot of them as much as they could, but, yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, a 280-yard hole was a par four back when they had a, uh, a club made out of sheep guts yeah, and the ball was a bird. Hickory you know? clubs <laughs> and whatever, yeah. Oh, so. yeah, thanks for... Yeah. <laughs> Are we done already, Kellen? All right. Well, we're done. <laughs> you got to go back to work, Kellen. Back to work. Well, it's a nice, easy night, though. Thanks to we'll Kevin. We'll put this... Uh, <laughs> what was the last score in this football game? We'll have a little highlights of that and... Story on the Edmonton prospects, all local guys basically. Oh, good stuff. So we'll have that tonight at 11. Besides Kevin, you heard from Morley Scott, Lisa Longball, Lucewick, Jamie Thomas from TSN 1150 in Hamilton. Thanks to everybody who texted. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer. Dave Campbell is the producer. Four o'clock tomorrow, countdown to kickoff. Esks at Hamilton, play by play. We'll start at 5.30. My name is Reed Wilkins. Get more on 630Ched.com. I will rejoin you with Inside Sports on Friday. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.